It's time for an inside look at the most powerful motorsport on the planet. WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro. For more than a decade, FTI has strived to become the leader in the aftermarket performance transmission and converter industry. We've joined forces with McLeod Driveline Components under the leadership of Top Fuel Funny Car pilot Paul Lee and now have a larger distribution network, more resources, and more power. Come see us in the pits and ask how you can join the FTI family. It's not cheating. It is the competitive edge. This is WFO Radio. Hey, everybody, WFO, welcome back. Joe Costello back with you as we are recapping the Lucas Oil Winter Nationals and looking ahead to the Arizona Nationals this weekend down there in Chandler, Arizona. Super excited to hear from you fans and the voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinhart, who will be joining us just minutes from now. What a show we had yesterday. Kind of flipping the script, right? Typically, we have Alan first, and then we have the drivers, but all the drivers were like, hey, Tuesday's the day. And if you didn't hear or watch that show, boy, you got to get on it after this one because they all brought it 100%, 110, baby. Justin Ashley, Robert Hyde, Erica. Wow, just so many great points and inside insight and all of these things. Uh, definitely put that in your list of things to do, to watch, to check out right here in our feeds, whether on YouTube, WFO Radio TV or Facebook or wherever you happen to watch the show on social media. And remember, WFORadio.com has got it all. Like if you miss a show, go to WFORadio.com and you will see every show and everything. And of course, our great sponsors, which I want to shout out to them. You just heard from FTI, and uh, I'm super excited about those guys over the course of this season. But also, they've done a great job, and they are on board, and we appreciate it. And uh, Looking forward to meeting some of the people who win with FTI Performance Transmissions. Paul Lee, FTIPerformance.com. Of course, Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. I had a couple of people reach out that went to the Trackside Tech Talk out there in Pomona. And uh, it was interesting because... Who's going to benefit from that? I, I think a lot of our Lucas Oil Series racers who are making power, but are they keeping up with the absolute latest, greatest cutting edge technology? And more importantly, the why, like, why does it work? Right. And that's what Keith Jones and Lake Speed Jr. and everybody that was out there were there. Ed Keebler from Rottler. Why? Does it work? We now know things that we didn't know 10 years ago, five years ago, and uh, they're applying it all. Go to TotalSeal.com to find out more. And a couple of people have already talked to me about Mike Copeland's hydrogen combustion engine. You got to hear him. He's great. He's the latest episode of Hidden Horsepower. Also, our friends at Samtech.edu, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Start your education at full speed. We always say it. They're approved to train veterans under the GI Bill. What does this sport need? Well, we always need more fans. And we could definitely use some more cars and some more drivers, but crew members, crew chiefs, smart people, we need them. We need them. How about Robert Height yesterday saying, you know, it's a slim pickings out there with crew chiefs these days, and uh, we need more people in the pipeline. But to get that gig, even to start out, you need to have a smart education, right? You need to be uh, ready. How do you prove yourself? 
Well, Sam Tech grads have got a heads up on everybody because Brian Massengill and the team have been working a lot with race teams, engine builders out there to place their grads. So give Brian a call, samtech.edu. There's also Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School on board with WFO. Super cool that Frank and Lana, they've got the Dragster Adventure, which any regular person with zero experience can go out there and go into the Dragster Adventure and drive a Dragster and come away with just a thrilling day of driving dragsters, but maybe you want to do something a little more like get your license or get your alcohol funny car license, or who knows, become a champion driver. They can help you with that as well. Tell them you heard about it on uh, WFO. Just, you know, shout WFO when they pick up the phone or maybe just say it forcefully, uh, but go to frankholly.com. And then there's Marvin Rodak. I spoke with Marvin yesterday. I told you, he's like, Oh man, got to give me a call. I got all this news. And so I've got all the news and I can't tell you any of it. Can't tell you any of it just yet, but you're going to love it. And it's going to give you another reason to call Marvin. That is the teaser. 817-924-6821. Call him, get some coffee roasted fresh per your order. From all around the world, some coffee so rare that there's only like one or two sacks sent into the United States. And Marvin gets first right of refusal. Can you believe that? Yeah, that's absolutely fact. Plus the hot sauces. I recommend the Habanero Endorphin Booster. It is my fave. Uh, so much so. It's so great. And uh, the A26 Spice Rub, but there's so many good things as well. The Peruvian Rub, great on everything. Call Marvin, 817-924-6821. And then there's the Patreons. We got a new Patreon the other day. New Patreons coming on every day. Yearly membership, signed up for the whole year. Thank you so much. It was Brit. Thank you, Brit. And now the Monday Motivation and being involved in Ignition and kind of a just a whole network. It's really like being a member of a country club without playing golf. No golf. Just hang and talk and drag racing with a bunch of people. Thank you, Patreons. And uh, you're probably wondering, like, well, where's Alan? Where's Reinhardt? What's the deal, Reinhardt? Reinhardt is going to be on seconds from now. He uh, had to handle something. He said that he would be joining a few minutes late, but we will catch up with him, which will give me some time to chat it out with the uh, the listeners out there. And for instance, I, I'm really pushing my own social media a little bit more this year. You know, having social media for the show is one thing, but, you know, doing what you got to do to keep up everybody, I think I did a great job out at the Winter Nationals, and I'm going to try to elevate my game as I close in on 5,000 followers. I'm, like, feeling it, man. I'm like, wow, 5,000. That would be super cool. Uh, but I do have a little bit of a dilemma that I'm going to ask the audience about, but I'll do that at the end of the show, like a genuine dilemma. Normally, I would do this for the Patreons only, and I still might. But I'm just, there's something on my mind. Someone has approached me and uh, stick around. Lonnie, WFO, y'all. Cody, morning, Joe. Good morning. Roger Richards. Hey, it's raining in Chandler right now. Good. Good. Get it out of the way. It's not supposed to rain in Arizona. And the last time I was there in 2020, it was pouring. I was ill-prepared. And uh, as you know, oh, like, you know what? I didn't sell, send Reinhardt the link. Been behind today, guys. Didn't send Reinhardt the link. I just heard my phone go ding, and I'm thinking, that's probably Reinhardt. Like, well, I can't get in on the show, man. I can't get in on the show. And he can't. I got thrown off by the uh, fact that it's Wednesday. I think we've all been thrown off by the fact that it's Wednesday, but good to go. I have gotten Reinhardt all hooked up and ready to go. It's raining in Chandler right now, and my answer is good. Good job in Pomona this past weekend, says Jay. Thank you very much. I had a great time. I had a great time. Listen, my attitude is I didn't, Reinhardt, one minute ago, didn't get the login. It's because I didn't send it, Alan. Stella's messing up. If I'm having fun, chances are the people that are watching and listening 
are having fun. That is kind of a rule for life. Why would they be watching? To watch me not have fun? And that's how it is with this show. And Alan and I had a good time in the booth. And uh, it was great. Eddie, hope all is well. It is. It is, Eddie. What's up, Joe? Sammy, where were you, Sammy? Were you out there at Pomona? How come I didn't see you? Where were you? Looks good for the weekend. Well, exactly. Get it out the way. Jim is out there. Um, I'm on time for a change. You're the one, not me. Hi, Joe. Hi, Alan. Alan is not here just yet because he's sitting waiting for the link, but I just sent it to him. Good morning from Stacking, gents. Who did the rain dance? Listen, let's get it out of the way, Pete. Pete, who won the Never Rest Award because he rolled his car. Uh, Pete, good guy, man. I love, like, we're getting to know Pete very well because um, he's, you know, he's won this award a few times and he's had a, you know, he's an old battleship sailor is what he said, which I would love to know some of those stories, right? Like, has he been on battleship when those massive guns are firing? Because the people who have told me that they have say it's very similar to a nitro car, that there's nothing like it in the world to be underneath that. Let's see. Uh, good day, Joe and Alan. Looking forward to the race this weekend. Like we have said earlier in the year, this will be the best racing in NHRA history. I agree. Let's bring on the man who's going to call the action out there. Wild Horse Pass, his home track, Alan Reinhardt. AR, I forgot to send you the link. Like, how about what a crazy day? You're like, I forgot my computer. I'm like, I forgot to send you the link. Wednesday is not our day, but let's blame the drivers because they wanted Tuesday. I'm blaming you. I'm, you know, I don't know what you're talking about. Me, computer, me. I, I, I've been sitting here every yeah. week. I get an email hey. that says log That's in, me. log. I've been sitting here. I've been sitting here. I've been sitting here. And uh, I just moments ago got the email that says log in. So I, I have no idea what you're talking about, about me not being prepared. This is the picture of prepared right here. Yeah. Okay. Well, the picture of prepared is a little fuzzy because you're in it access, but it'll it'll tune up as we uh, we're on for a little longer time. You're right. Hey, whatever. Right. That's what I have to say. We got a whole bunch of people out there super excited. Uh, Montana Carning checking in deep and hot checking in our newest Patreon Brit checking in. Happy to support. Thank you, Brit. Thank you for signing on and joining our Patreon listener club. Jay is watching. But Alan, every year we go to this one. I, I remember my first week at NHRA. You were all, already like quizzing me about the craziest race in NHRA history, uh, you know, Phoenix 92. <laughs> yeah. He froze up. This guy's frozen. And now we're going back to your home track. Isn't that exciting, Alan Reinhardt? Yeah, he's frozen. He, 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 he's frozen. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to kick him out. The good news is everybody's so used to this now. Brian Brewster. When you fly in for Phoenix tomorrow, uh, we'll get there, you know, midday, three something. Uh, Winter Nationals were fantastic uh, towards the end of last year. Excellent. Wow. Cliffhanger. I don't know what you're talking about there, uh, Galvin. Galvin, thank you, bud. So happy to have Jason Galvin out there and really excited that so many of the WFO universe were shouting out to uh, Jason because he definitely brings an element to the table and uh, a lot of fun, too. Great stuff. Thank you, Jason. Hello from uh, Pacific Northwest. Look at me figuring that out. Damn, hit the wrong key. You don't need to tell us that. Uh, did you ask the owl how many licks it really does take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? If you don't follow me on the Twitter or the Instagram, last night I'm out for a walk and, uh, you know, trying to lose some LBs, continue to get in shape, continue to do the right thing. And right in the middle, it's dark. It's like 1030 at night, right in the middle of the road, like right on the two lines. 
there is this creature, like a little person, like standing there, except the person's like a foot tall, foot and a half tall. It was a, a Florida owl just sitting there. And so I slowed up and then I pulled out my camera and did some nature video. Like, what's up, owl? And he chilled there, man. He was just chilling right in the middle of the road, which, uh, you know, I like animals. So I thought it was kind of cool. Then tried to close in on him. Right. And that's when he got us scared and uh, and went away. Alan is back. He's just kind of setting up his uh, his deal. Doug says, what's up? Derek says it's ice in Texas. Probable shutdown tomorrow. Say what? Oh, look at Reinhardt. He is much clearer now. You are. Crazy. I just switched over to my phone. I don't know something uh, going on with my laptop or whatever, but I just switched over. To my phone. Sorry about that. Well, it's a good thing that you went and got it. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant move on my part. So you confess. Aha, I tricked you into admitting the laptop. You forgot it and you had to go get it. It's okay. We're moving on. All right, let's go back and talk. Is about... What is that? Oh, <laughs> yeah. That makes sense. The internet, it's imperfect, but it's great at the same time. But I want your uh, take on the, the race, Alan, the Lucas Oil Winter Nationals. I want your take on the race because I felt so great about it. What about you? That was all right. I mean, what in the grand scheme of things, what special really happened? I mean, we had incredibly great racing all weekend yeah. long. Yeah. Uh, we had some surprises in qualifying, and we had some familiar old faces in qualifying. We had a couple of uh, very spooky moments throughout the course of the weekend. And at the end of the day, one of the best ever Sunday side-by-side -side competition races, I think, in a long time. So, yeah, it was okay. Yeah, exactly. Just okay. That funny car final. Um, wow. Right. Spoke with Robert <laughs> yesterday and uh, he told us that Trevor and Bobby were okay and, and that they have a new nickname. Did you hear the nickname? I guess I didn't. Shake and bake. Oh, geez. You know, it was, it was the funny car final was interesting for a couple of reasons because when they pulled up, they were mad fresh mode on Ron Capscar. You know, the guys that were in the toy box and, and working on what we were told was a regulator issue for the clutch uh, for the clutch system. Uh, and they were in like mad thrash mode when they pulled up literally 30 seconds before firing up the car. At which point, I'm sure most people, certainly me, was wondering, is it really OK? Because whatever you did in the last 30 seconds, it's not like you had time to test it. You know, you go, OK, we're good. We put it together. Let's go. We got to go. And I was wondering if it was going to be okay. And then after the issue with Robert's car, when they blipped the throttle, putting the body down, all of a sudden now I'm going, that's not exactly a friendly thing to do to your clutch eight seconds before you're going to go out and try to win the Winter Nationals. So is that one going to be okay? And as it turned out, the answer to both questions was yes. Both cars went down the racetrack, and it was uh, just a spectacular side-by-side -side run to close out a day of spectacular side-by-side -side run. I, I said – Standing on the stage at the end of the day out there with all the fans on the racetrack. And, you know, I've said it before, but if that was your first ever NHRA experience and you were going, yeah, you know, I don't know. Don't come back because you're not going to see a better show. I mean, it's just not going to happen. You know, you look at everything that happened in Top Fuel. And how crazy is it that the slowest winner in round one of Top Fuel, the slowest was 374. Wow. And... You know, and, and in the final round, you've got two young guns, right? I mean, how many people were probably figuring in the semifinals, 
okay, this is the first chapter in the Steve and Brittany show all over again. And then we get to the final, no Steve, no Brittany. They both lost really good races. And we end up with two young guns that I believe are going to be here, not just battling it out this year, but potentially for the next 15 or 20 years. So I'm not, I'm not ready to officially announce that, you know, the guard has changed to bring in the new generation, but there ain't no question that the new generation is here and they're making themselves known already. They, they are, they are. And uh, watching it all play out just so many different elements. Let's uh, let's keep with the funny car final though. And we'll just start off there. Cause that's where the conversation started. Uh, people joking yesterday about, you know, bringing the dry hops back, right? Because the clutch <laughs> apparently was okay. 86-1-329 with Robert. Uh, two thou at the stripe. But I think everything you just illustrated, we got to give some credit to the National Hot Rod Association for equalizing the lanes, repairing the track. And they are the first ones. And yes, I'll be the first one to admit, if you're one of those keyboard guys out there, Joe is about to kiss the butt of the NHRA because he gets a check from them every once in a while. And that is true. I do get a check from them every once in a while. But think about the Winter Nationals during the summer. Think about the Auto Club Finals. And think about this race. We had three races there pretty much within six months of each other. Call it seven months, right? This was a totally different kind of race performances competition level playing field robert said they took the first two lanes in the left lane the second two runs in the right lane because it really didn't matter it was going back and forth what they liked that is all because of a considerable investment by the national hot rod association in a facility that a lot of the fans were like oh it's going away and i'm not going to go because they're not going to be there and it's five years from now it's going to be over so i'm just going to pull the plug now that's our that's our fandom there's fewer and fewer every day but tip of the cap to to na i got one to nhra for making that move during a, right after a pandemic after two seasons of not full income to spend the money to make it right I agree. I think that, uh, you know, NHRA making the commitment to do it was important. Uh, I think it bears pointing out that the guy that actually did it is Kurt Johnson, whose company Total Venue Concepts uh, does everything from track prep to that, to site, to, you know, you name it. If you've got a racetrack and you're in need, you can give him a call and he can come help you. I think also, hopefully, it'll silence some of, you know, that you're, you're never going to get everybody to go, okay, I was wrong. But when Atlanta was sold, how many people out there, oh, there's NHRA again, just lining their pockets and taking the money. And when NHRA made the public announcement, we are going to use these funds for improvement on other tracks that we own. They spent a chunk of it out there at Pomona. There's a huge program being undertaken right now in Gainesville. There is a program being undertaken right now in Indy. They did what they said they were going to do. The Atlanta track was going away. There was no saving. We weren't going to keep it. Somebody else wasn't going to buy it. It was not going to continue to be a racetrack, period. And so NHRA, when they sold it, said, we are going to use these funds to improve other facilities that we own. And that was the first step you saw. When we get to Gainesville, you'll see the next step. Even though in Gainesville, it won't affect necessarily the racing as much. Remember, Gainesville just got a brand new surface a couple of years ago but they are working on infrastructure and drainage and things to make it better.
for the racers in the pits, to make it better for the spectators when it rains, when we have problems, when we because it's Gainesville, right? So NHRA is doing exactly what they said they were going to do, and I give them credit for that and making the investment in the track. You know, they looked at it last year and said, this needs to be fixed. This is not acceptable. And they made the investment to do it. I think, you know, and you and I talked about it uh, during the course of the weekend. Weather conditions when we were there at the World Finals were pretty good. Weather conditions when we were here just last week were pretty good. But low ET from the World Finals would have qualified sixth in the pro stock field. And that was strictly because the track was better. They improved the racetrack to the point that the pro stock cars could apply their power more more consistently down the track and not have to worry about dealing with bumps and dealing with there was a dip at the starting line that created an issue with the wheelie bars and blah, blah, blah. But they made the track better for everybody. And the fans were really the beneficiaries. You know, when the first two cars down, right, the first two cars of the race, or in this case, the season, are two A-list hitters. Antron Brown and Leah Pruitt were the first two cars down the racetrack. And that, I think, kind of set the tone for the season. This is what we're going to see this year. Yes, and I'm wondering, like, if, if mid-80s is what we get at the Winter Nationals, what are we going to get at the Auto Club Finals, right? Like, there, there were so many mid-80 players consistent, just going down the racetrack, clicking off those numbers. Um, 60s in, in top fuel, it's going to be great. Uh, and it was as if, I don't want to say teams were in mid-season form, but there didn't appear to be any rust. And if you had it, you're out. Like, this was a tough, contested race. Yeah, there weren't uh, there weren't a whole lot of gimmies out there, no doubt. You know, you look at the final four, without John Force being in the mix, John Force was out early. Without John Force, the final four accounted for 372 final round appearances and 202 national event wins. And, you know, that you don't get that by, you know, backing into it or by getting lucky or by you get that because you are good and you went out there and did what you needed to do. A lot of the teams, I think, you know, midseason form probably fits a few of them, though. I I think you're in the same boat with me. I'm certainly not trying to speak for you. But how surprised were you that Paul Lee struggled so badly? I mean, that really shocked me. Yeah. um, You know, I talked to Jim O about it and he says they're still working on their clutch disc combination and that you know they'll get it and they just didn't get it rapidly enough and they were very disappointed um we'll see what happens this week you know that's going to be a good team mentioned dustin heim coming back over there but that's what happens when like 20 good cars show up or 20 decent cars show up all of a sudden it becomes different right whereas a couple of years ago 17 cars you say it all the time you got to beat one guy no you got to be four guys you got to be five guys all of a sudden those three qualifying sessions, like it's the pressure is on now. The pressure is on and they just didn't get it fast enough. I think that bug is going to bite more people this year and you got to unload. You got to be ready. And they still made some changes and they weren't, they didn't get what they wanted. Well, it almost bit John Forks. You know, he ends up being the number 16 qualifier. And, you know, and, and I think the other side of the coin is, and I hope that we see more of this, you know, when Jeff Wren shows up, with the Russo team, right? They, we haven't seen them in a couple of years because they've been in Australia. You couldn't get out. That car hadn't been out of the trailer in a while. And they roll the thing up and it goes right straight down the racetrack, goes 409. They're in the field. Now, that's one car that's going home that wouldn't have at the World Finals or wouldn't have last year. And I hope that we see a few more of those independents that show up, come out, just make a good, solid run, and pile the pressure on everybody else because that 
really makes it exciting for my chair. Excellent, excellent. So final round, uh, you know, Ron Caps, Robert Height, Thou, great race. A couple other stories, though. Tony Gerardo getting his first round win. Alex Miladinovich hitting the wall. Uh, I spoke with Alex. He kind of, uh, the video bomb equivalent of my uh, video after it was all over as you were going up on stage, but it, we used it as an opportunity. It was great. By the way, Alex, keep doing it. That's great. Um, minus the kiss part, but, uh, he says they're working on a, a new car. Like what a guy in that he's, he's, he's now, he's now hooked this, uh, incident. He got out, he climbed on the roof of the car, like Raymond Beetle. It was like this amazing moment. He's like, I'm okay. And, uh, and it's, it's terrible to see, but the fact that he walked away from that was great to see. Yeah, it was uh, definitely a scary moment. And, you know, he said in the interview that, uh, you know, he believes he just hung with it a little bit too long. You know, he's, he's trying to get qualified. He wants to be part of the Winter Nationals. And the thing smoked the tires. And then by the time it decided it was going to turn right, there was no saving. So pretty good hit into the wall. And uh, it was great to see him come out as quickly as he did. Uh, and I firmly believe this, that, you know, he wanted to let his wife know as quickly as he could that he was okay. And that's why he wanted to jump out there and salute the fans and salute. So that was the quickest way he could get word to his wife that I'm all right, because she obviously was, uh, you know, a little bit panicked on the starting line as anybody would be watching their significant other go through that. Absolutely. A couple of questions out there. And I, I don't know this one because I have yet to watch the Fox broadcast with volume, right? Like I saw it without volume. But with volume, uh, someone had said, uh, you know, what are your thoughts about Ron Cap's comments about frustration with Dodge? I didn't, I didn't see those comments. I didn't hear those comments. So I can't, but maybe you can, or maybe you can. I don't know if you know. Well, Ron Caps so far has not announced an official manufacturer partnership. He didn't do it when they made the announcement at SEMA or at PRI. Uh, he hasn't done it yet. He is running Dodge Bodies because that's what Don Schumacher has. And that's what he leased from Don to get his organization underway. Uh, you know, there have certainly been some rumors around, and it's not it's not my place to, to spill. But Ron did say at the top end of the racetrack, and it was one of the interviews we piggybacked on, he said, man, that Super's a good-looking car, isn't it? And I don't know, maybe, maybe there's a discussion going on there. Maybe he's trying to start a discussion. Maybe, but I think that, you know, I think that we're going to hear something soon. Um, you know, I had one of the uh, internet chat rooms that I frequent, the conversation started earlier in the year, or maybe towards the end of last year, about Ron when there was no uh, announcement made. He's been a Dodge guy for years because Schumacher was a Dodge organization. And so that's that. Now, Dodge and Mopar has announced very, very loudly that they are supporting Tony Stewart's new race team and those two cars, but they didn't say anything about still being with Ron Caps. So I think that potentially leaves Ron as a free agent. And if I'm Ron and he's, you know, he's been around the sport. It's not like, Hey Ron, here, take my advice. This is what you need to do. He's right. been around this long enough. But if I'm Ron, I go to Dodge. I've had a relationship with him for a long time. And I say, would you like to be part of my new venture? Just like Napa was. And if they go, gee, I don't know, we got all this other stuff going on. Okay. I then I'm going to reach out to Chevrolet. I'm going to reach out to Ford. I'm going to reach out to Toyota I, and say, would you guys like to be part of my new adventure? And one of the things that he's got going for him is if whoever comes on board, okay, if Studebaker says, okay, we're going to go on board with Ron, then from the time that they make the official announcement for the rest of the year, 
they get the perk of your reigning world champion drives a Studebaker. And there's definitely some value there. So, you know, if Ron is talking with or trying to start a conversation with, I don't blame it. I think it's a real simple deal. If Mopar Dodge decided they didn't want to re-up, and I'm sure if they had, there would have been an announcement right now, then Ron would be foolish not to go out and explore other options and see if there's something out there that will help him from a financial standpoint that maybe will help him uh, from any standpoint. You look at how involved Leah has been with the Dodge social media campaign, with her TV commercials, with all the stuff, that's good for Leah. It's good for her race team. It's also good for Leah. Well, Ron hasn't really been a part of a lot of that stuff. So if Studebaker comes along and says, hey, Ron, we want to get you involved in some of our other advertising and some of our stuff and some of our things, and we want to be involved with your race team, that's good all the way around. And if Dodge doesn't want to do that, Ron would be foolish not to go ask, does somebody want to do this? Because he's got a lot to offer. And uh, I, think, I think we're going to be hearing something pretty soon. But, uh, um, you know, I don't think I, I don't think from what I heard and from, you know, that he was dissing on Dodge as much as it sounded like he was letting it be known that he's available. Well, and as a new team owner, I don't think the weekend could have gone much better except for a win, 2,000 short. Sure. But like he said, he, he did a, a, a live video on Monday morning. Uh, you know, the team was doing a service and, and he said it was a, you know, a great, great first race. Nothing hurt. And uh, and they get to go to the next one. Like this guy is in a totally different position right now. And he needs to make it work financially for him. And so if sure. Chevy or if Toyota or if Ford were to step up with a, a, a financial deal that made a lot more sense. And the folks at Dodge say, you know, like, man, we love you, but we're doing this uh, over here with uh, Tony Stewart racing. And so we can't or, or whatever. Now it's not about anything other than what is best for my team. Payrolls, guys, keep this championship caliber team together and give us the best chance. And oh, by the way, the car, the, that body is incredible. Like the, the, the super body is next wave uh, when it comes to close to its factory counterpart, which has got a lot of people were asking John Force, does this mean now we can do Corvettes, right? Because of the two seat sports car deal. And Force was quick to point out, cause he's got a Corvette. He goes, the engine's in the wrong spot. You know, the engine is in the wrong spot, but um, it does, it does open up interesting possibilities for the future, but we'll just see. I'm content to wait, uh, you know, to see what Ron does. They've been doing a great job of rolling out their news, like slowly, and so we'll we'll see. Maybe they don't have the news just yet. You're right. Maybe he's trying to start the conversation. And if he was, very smart of him. Eric says, always thought that L.A. County owned the track at Pomona. Yes, they do. But NHRA has got a lease, as I understand it. And they are able to make those kind of uh, improvements. The track is located on the L.A. County fairground. The L.A. County owns the dirt. They own the property. They own NHRA a number of years ago signed a long-term lease. And they, at that point, made the commitment to build a permanent facility. If you've been going to, to Pomona as long as I have, you would remember there was a time when everything was temporary, with the exception of there was a very small tower, and I mean very small, that sat over in the corner that we used for race control that the announcers were in, that was basically you know parked as far out of the way as it could possibly be. When the races came into town, the walls were temporary. 
The grandstands were temporary. The, everything about it, they came in and built a racetrack, and it was all a temporary facility. When NHRA signed a long-term lease, part of that was the commitment to go in and build the stadium and build the sound walls and build the permanent grandstands and build the – so while – L.A. County Fairgrounds, it is on the grounds of the L.A. County Fairplex, but NHRA controls the racetrack, and if NHRA sees the need to make an improvement or make something, then they can do that. That's exciting. Good to know, and uh, great to see. Great to see. And uh, just, you know, since we're on this, and and I'm going to try really hard this year, if there's 100 people and one of them has something negative to say, to not flag the negative comment and talk about the negative comment like so many of us do right in the news like things are going great and there's one person that's negative um we end up talking about the negative it's human nature i really think right the power of no but um someone was like oh it's really sad to see the crowd out there you know it wasn't great We're like what are you talking about that's a perspective thing um they were they they got rid of the covid restrictions the day before and there was very little pre-sales because of that. There were limitations, and then there weren't. I felt like, considering that circumstance, the crowd was great. It wasn't a good crowd. It was a great crowd, considering the circumstances there in L.A. County. I don't know what you thought, but it's all perspective, right? And some people just want to push the negative perspective because I, I know maybe it gets some attention or they like when people push back on them. There's people that do that, right? I'll say something dumb or ridiculous because then people will engage with me and then I don't have to be alone anymore. Well, Joe, you can make 47 field goals in a row and somebody's going to talk about the one you missed. That's yeah. just all there is to it. And, you know, the, I thought the promoter crowd was strong. I tell you what, uh, take everybody that was there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and pay me $5 per person. I'll take that for my annual salary. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty good. Right now. I mean, right now. Yeah, yeah. You also have to remember the facility at Pomona is huge. If you had taken that crowd, or if we could, take, I'd love to be able to take that crowd, those exact same people, and bring them all to Phoenix. There wouldn't be enough room for everybody to sit down. Take them all to um, Epping. Epping. Is another, yeah, that's another great one. There wouldn't be Seattle, you know, wonderful facilities that don't have as much seating capacity. You know, if you put if you put 10,000 people in a 5,000 seat stadium, everybody goes, oh, my God, look how many people. If you take that 10,000 people and put them at Pomona, it looks like a private showing. But it's still 10,000 people. I thought the crowd was solid, again, considering exactly what you just said. Restrictions were in place until I believe two days before the event. That's going to keep some people away. And just you know, the weather was good. I thought we had a solid crowd. And I don't, you did enough of this. When you were walking through the pits, at any point when you were walking through the pits, were you thinking to yourself, holy crap, this is a ghost town? No, it was, it was, it was perfect for me. Yeah. It was perfect. I don't know what the numbers were. I'm sure NHRA would have liked as many more as is possible. But for me, it was perfect. Surrounded by people, but you could move. Uh, it was comfortable, but you could tell that you were there with a big event crowd. And uh, and it was awesome. And, you know, like, we don't have to bring up the negative people, but they're out there. And you'll notice when you see them, folks, just know, think about it. Wait a second. Really? Is that the uh, after a race like that, you go to your page and you're going to start typing out is it going to be a positive comment or is it going to be a negative comment what do i what's my takeaway from that that event it was negative sad to see um i don't know we're going to try to avoid that stuff 
this year. Race Guitar says he just checked full fields on the list for Wild Horse. We're going to preview that, but let's move over to uh, any final thoughts in Funny Car, Alan? Um, anything you wanted to say that we didn't talk about? Obviously, we could talk about every team. Um, everyone seemed to have elevated their game from the previous year. Just that it was it was a great race for the fans. You know, you look at – we talked about everybody that kind of got off on a good foot. Um, how much do you think Tim Wilkerson can't wait to get to Phoenix? How much do you think John Forrest can't wait to get to Phoenix? How much, you know, it's one race into the season. And if you got off to a bad start, you need to come bounce back. You don't want to go to Phoenix and have another bad showing and then have two weeks to think about it. So I think we've got everything on the spectrum. You know, we've got teams that we're coming in with some question marks and questions answered. We got teams that came in that everybody just kind of penciled into, you know, their usual spot that struggled a little bit. So they're, you know, and Phoenix is going to be, it's going to be fun to watch for that reason. You know, can these teams that didn't perform well in Pomona bounce back? Can the teams that did continue that momentum? Exactly. And I think that they just were there testing is going to elevate the game as well, right? We're going to go into a, a race where so many teams got so many hits at the track and whatever wasn't working for John Force in Pomona, they've got a setup that'll go down Arizona, certainly after an 83 in testing. Uh, George mentioning Austin Prox. So great to see him back up and coming young gun, veteran talent, all good paid dividends. Let's talk about top fuel. Justin Ashley, Austin Prox. 50 reaction time was the worst of the two in the final, but Justin gets the win. Jim Epler said after the race, they're excited. Maybe they're going to renew that kind of deal. But like Doug Coletta and Tony Schumacher first round, Schumacher and Austin Proc, Austin and Brittany. Brittany gets around Josh Hart with a, uh, wasn't a whole shot victory, but she left first and outran him by two thou, kind of exercising a demon or two from last year. I want to start there. Brittany forces driving her reaction times in particular because she always gets a car down there pretty straight but her reaction time was a big topic of conversation for people last year so we've got a comment Brittany had at least at this race was was right with the rest of the field was better had done something had something was different because she had some great lights and it showed up well we talked about at the end of last year you know you look at overall you know what did we do well what did we do not so well what what do we need to build on? What do we need to work on? And one of the things that was glaring was Brittany lost a couple of, of races on the starting line, and Brittany wasn't up with the, some of the others in the class at that point. And she knows that. Nobody has to go tell her. She, I guarantee you, went into the offseason. She actually talked about it a little bit. She went into the winter break going, I need to improve. You know, there are times when they gave me a good enough car to win, and I didn't hold up my end of the bargain. I need to improve. And it seems obvious to me that she did something. And I don't know if it was mental. I don't know if it was physical. I don't know. I don't know what she did. But she did something to help her concentration, help her reaction, help her. And it showed. She was right in the mix with the reaction times. And if she can keep doing that all year long, I think it's going to pay big dividends. You know, there were, again, there was a few races last year that she came out on the short side because of the starting line. And the whole thing is, unless it's the final round, you can really never extrapolate how big that was. If I lose on a whole shot in the second round, okay, I lost in the second round. That might've cost me a race win. You just never know that. And so the fact that she, I guarantee, identified the problem, came up with a plan, put some effort in, and it really looks like her, her commitment to that um, is paying dividends at least early in the season. And I think that, uh, I think that, you know, she, 
got beat up enough about it from the fans or the keyboard folks or the whatever that she needed to do something about that, wants to support her team, and went out and went to work to make herself better, and she did. I, I think she did a great job. Absolutely. I'm excited. And I think that if uh, Brittany can maintain that, like the difference between 70 to 90 reaction times and 50 to 70 reaction time is a lot of win lights, a lot of win lights. Now, is that going to be enough? Right. Because uh, Robert said yesterday, it looks like the field has caught Grubnik a little, maybe, you know, gap, close the gap a little bit in terms of performance. So Brittany is going to be a big factor and you got guys like Justin, you got guys like Austin who can go 30, right? They can go 30 on a pretty regular basis. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, Derek's got a tech question. He wants to know, just doubling back to funny car. You're the guy. When are the clutch timers activated? You know, when, when the throttle blipped, he wants to know why that didn't uh, ruin the the car and ruin the run because of the clutch timers, et cetera, and so on. Can you talk on that? Well, I don't think it went wide open, and I think that's the deal. The switch that activates the clutch timers is under the gas pedal, and the pedal has to go wide open in order to activate it. So it didn't appear when they blipped the throttle that it went wide open. If that's the case, it wouldn't have hit the clutch switch, and it wouldn't have had anything to do with it. All it would have done was put a whole lot of extra heat in the clutch pack itself. Exactly. Thank you, Derek, for the question. Um, Into top fuel. So it's Justin and Austin in the final round. You mentioned Justin taking down Steve, but he also took down Antron Brown and Austin Proc. Like these guys are levers. Jim Maroney with a decent run first round. And it just has me thinking about our athletes, right? Like once upon a time, if you could afford a top fuel car or wanted to make the effort to have a top fuel car, you could be a top fuel racer. And then that was it. They were all over the country. People, I'm a top fuel guy. Yeah, whatever. Now it's different. Um, there are people who just have the car, but if you can't bring it on the starting line, I don't want to say you're wasting your time. You still get to be part of the field, but there are five, six guys and girls out there that are going to make it just a, you know, show up thing for you. And that's what I've always wanted uh, where for this to be a driver performance, talent based sport you don't have guys out there like in nascar years ago oh man that guy gives such great interviews and the fans love him so if he runs 25th it's okay because no now you have to be a talent to be out there and i wonder what that means you know as as teams look to get more talented people behind the wheel well i think there's twofold i think you know if you go back in time uh there was a time when you could have a substantial performance advantage over the field and then as a driver, all you had to do was not screw it up. Uh, you know, there was plenty of times in John Force's career when he had enough of an advantage over the field that all he had to do was not mess up and he was going to win a whole lot of races. Those days are gone. That's why the driver now has to elevate because, you know, the rules package have been in place for a long time. And anytime that the rules are stabilized, everybody is going to figure out all of the same little secrets and tricks and get pretty close from a performance standpoint where the driver just becomes that much more important. And, you know, I, it's just, I think it's really a level of commitment. You know, like you said, do you, do you just want to be a guy that shows up and goes, Hey, look at me. I've got a top fuel car. Or do you want to be a guy and guy is gender neutral. Okay. Don't yell at me. Then I'm you know, leaving the girls out. Yeah. Do you want to be a guy that's out here to race and win? I think you take a, uh, a guy like Mike Salinas. You know, Mike Salinas is not doing this to make money. He's doing this as a sideline. He's doing this to get away from the pressures of business. He's doing it because he loves the sport. He doesn't have to win in order to fulfill those goals, but he wants to win. 
he's a competitive guy, whether it's business, whether it's racing. Uh, he wasn't getting, done up, getting, getting it done on the starting line, and he will tell you that flat out. So he went in search of how do I get better, uh, somehow got together with Jose Gonzalez, who gave him some tips, who straightened him out, and all of a sudden. But he didn't just do that accidentally, and it wasn't because he didn't care. It was there was something missing, and he needed to figure out how to fix it, and he figured out how to fix it. You know, there are a lot of things out there that can be done from a mental standpoint, from a physical standpoint, and even sometimes from a mechanical standpoint. How your car is set up has a lot to do with how your reaction times are going to go, especially in a nitro car, because the cars are so slow to react. So all of that stuff has to come together. But, uh, you know, basically, I think it starts with the driver. The driver needs to go up there and be able to do his routine, do the same thing every time, do everything on time. And that then allows the crew chief to do what they need to do. And together is what how they build a car and make the reaction times better. Exactly. And uh, it'll be fun to watch. You want it to be talent based. You want everybody in the sport to not, uh, you know, show up at the track on, on the weekend. No, you, you've got to be working. Everybody's got to be working. That's what professional athletics is about. And it's true for drag racing as well. All categories. Steve Torrance, you know, people are like, oh, this is the end of the Steve Torrance reign. We're <laughs> one race in, people. We're one race in. And a couple of you got beat once. I'm not ready to bury the Capco boys yet. But if like you had said, right? If Brittany and Steve had made the final round, a lot of people would have been like, all right, here we go again. And, yeah. and it, it didn't work out that way. Instead, you've got Austin, who was just so awesome and great kid, came up a little bit short. And Justin, and, and that just shows you how one little flip in the script can change the perspective going into the next race. You know, I don't have it right here in front of me. Maybe you do. But Justin Ashley unloaded with a 69. And if I'm not mistaken, the slowest run they made all weekend was like a 73 or a 74. Well, in eliminations, it was a 69, nine, 69, two, 72, and then 71-3. I don't have qualifying in front of me, but they were they had a uh, you know a bracket car. It went down every time. And in a pretty way, we were talking to Justin about how the car was like hovering the tires yeah. and then bowing up like the, the the chassis, his car looks different going down the racetrack than everybody else, which I like. I think people like to to see that stuff. Well, I built that one. Oh, okay. Well, that makes yeah, perfect that's, sense. That's, that's a Rhino. I built it, you know, in the floor of my shop back here. And so it's not very straight because my floor is not level. Right. But I figured, yeah, it'll be all right. Who cares? Well, straight is not fast. The, the balance that they have on that car and the way they've got it working right now is spectacular. And I think even that, some of the credit for that goes back to the racetrack itself. Because there had developed a little dip on the starting line. There had developed a little bump out there at whatever it is, 108 feet or something. And all of those things can upset a car when it's running on the ragged edge like that car is. Once you take all those variables out of the equation, it makes it easier for the crew chiefs to go, we can do this now and not have to worry about the car getting upset because of imperfections in the track. And, uh, and you know, it just all magic combination, but no, I agree. I think watching this thing leave the starting line is fun. Um, you know, the, the thing just goes screaming down the racetrack. I'm not sure they heard a part all weekend. And you know, we've got a new sponsor coming out to the sport that is based 10 miles from, from Pomona Raceway or 15. You've got a lot of big time players from the company that don't really know a whole lot about NHRA that are coming out for the first time to see what it's all about. You make a great run right out of the box. You qualify solid. 
you know, their hospitality area was humping all weekend long. They had a lot of folks over there that yeah. they were introducing to and showing off NHRA. And then they win the race. I mean, you said that, <laughs> that uh, you know, Epler was talking about, maybe we should just renew now. If I'm Justin, I'm standing over the contract. Okay, boss, right here. We, we got a three-race deal. Let's go ahead and make it 22. Uh, but I think they, you know, they did just – you could not ask for a better debut for a team, especially bringing a new sponsor in. Absolutely. No, totally agree. Totally agree. And uh, very exciting stuff. Appreciated. Before we move on to Pro Stock, just want to say, not that this is – like, not everybody – this is drag racing. Not everybody can have a great weekend on the same weekend. But the two biggest stories, right, Tony Stewart and uh, Alan Johnson to Coletta in the top fuel side of things – didn't have a great weekend, which is okay because they got another race this weekend, but just keeping track of those storylines, uh, not necessarily out of the box slow, just didn't convert first round. Yeah. And you know, it's a long year. And I think that one of the things that Alan is having to adjust to a little bit is that the chassis are a bit different. Coletta does her own stuff in house. <laughs> Sorry. Alan has always, when he's gone into a situation, it was either a car that he, you know, a car that he commissioned or a builder that he was familiar with or something. That, and they're different. And I can't tell you exactly like this, 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 but they're different. And I think it's going to take Alan a little bit of time to adjust. I think potentially he could be telling the guys in the Coletta chassis shop, Hey, I need you to build me one that's a little bit different, you know, and I don't know enough of the intricacies, but there are things on those cars, like uh, moving the motor out an extra inch changes the personality of the car, changing the angle of, of the engine a half a degree, changes the personality of the car, um, changing, you know, where the uprights are, the slide tubes, the things in the front, how much flex is in it, changes the personality of the car. Alan has always worked with a particular type of chassis that he is obviously very comfortable with, and this one's different. So I think there'll be a little bit of adjustment period while Alan decides what does this thing need, or... Well, Alan goes to the Coletta chassis shop and says, I need you to make some adjustments because here's what I need my car to do. Um, they're they're going to be just fine. Thank you. Don't, uh, don't lose an ounce of sleep over them. Yeah, I'm not worried about it. Uh, <laughs> there's things I worry about. Alan Johnson being, uh, you know, performance-wise is not one of them. Uh, some comments out there. Mike, want to know where Billy was. That, that had been reported. Go to the interview with Steve from earlier in the week. Billy's going to run fewer races this year. Guys are going to stay in the shop. They're building undercover chassis for Autumn Height. They got a lot going on. Billy is there. They're laying pipe out there, man. They've got to keep the business going. They're still very busy. And so Billy's going to run fewer races. But that doesn't mean he's not going to make the countdown necessarily. And, uh, and, and Steve will be the first to say, like, you know, we don't have to run all the races necessarily to make the countdown. Uh, we feel like we can. Uh, we'll, we'll see. Michael Heiner, first race of a long season. Let's see who rolls in back to back. Uh, Eric says, I heard something possible about Chicagoland race this year. What's the latest? Um, Alan, I, I, I don't not, not a camping world series, but it doesn't sound like that facility is going to stay in mothballs all year in 2022. Well, I guess we could break the news. Joe and I are, are trying to purchase the track. Yep. Uh, with everything but money. Yes. So, uh, you know, as yeah. soon as we can get, you know, a couple of more investors, uh, then, you know, we're going to, we're going to take it over and that's going to be Three it. commercials uh, on WFO radio. We're going to do a trade for the facility. Please go buy tickets immediately. They are, uh, they do have a Lucas oil series race on the schedule. Uh, so I think that's good. I mean, you know, showing any kind of signs of life. Uh, I talked to some friends of mine over in the NASCAR world when that word broke and I said, just curious, 
are you guys hearing anything over there? And the response I got at the time was that, no, there hadn't really been anything, but just the fact that they were going to put a race car on the facility, uh, I think bodes well for everybody. So, you know, let's see. I would love, love to see that place get resurrected. Uh, it's just a spectacular facility. I hate to see it sitting dormant. It's a great market, uh, even though, you know, it's been a little bit of a struggle. Right? And I still think it's, you know, the whole, the whole perception thing. You know, people that live in Chicago look at Joliet as being way on the other side of the world. Why would I go all the way out there? How about because you have a world-class race facility? But I think, um, you know, I think it certainly could be made viable. And I think with the right person in charge, the right person running the thing, I don't see how you could possibly lose money with a drag strip there. With all the stuff that's going on, I think you could run that place five nights a week if you wanted to do no prep, um, you know, no time, outlaw something, uh, bring people out to the racetrack. It's just, uh, you know, there's a great car culture in that part of the world. It would just be a matter of getting them used to, hey, let's go do this in a better environment than where we've been doing it in the past. And I certainly hope that the, uh, that the Lucas race is stepping in the right direction. Before we get away from Nitro, I just wanted one more thing that I think we bears pointing out. You know, Tony Stewart was there on Friday, wasn't there Saturday and Sunday because he was in Daytona. And we got more coverage coming out of a NASCAR race than we ever have. And not just any NASCAR race, but the Daytona 500. There was a lot of discussion about NHRA, about us kicking off the new season. Tony and Chris Myers at one point did a couple of minutes on what's going on on the other side of it and Tony's new team. And, and I think that is tremendous for us from a promotional standpoint. And, you know, there was a lot made when Tony decided he was going to do a race team that there would be a lot of his fans that at least would take a look. And I think having live on the air during the Daytona 500, Tony Stewart talk about this is my new adventure. And, you know, even Mike Joy knows about it and, and is well-versed enough to have a conversation about it. And Chris Myers, and I, I just thought that was a huge plus for NHRA. And I hope we continue to build on that. Absolutely. And Tony, good job, man. You said you got this and you, <laughs> and you delivered and you delivered. But hey, you know, in, from the corrections department, I want to admit that I was totally wrong about something. Like, I don't know where or how I got totally sideways in terms of when the NHRA race would be on related to the Daytona 500. But I just totally misinformed my audience like big time, man. I like I thought we were on the network on and I don't know how and it was totally wrong. And hey, I'm sorry. But this won't be the last time I apologize to the audience. It'll happen all year long. But I just made a mistake. But Tony did a great job, and that's what matters the most. They had a bit of a crash fest out there. Talked about it on Ignition for, a little bit. For those for those of you that didn't catch it, it was kind of funny. Joe was in the booth with me announcing on, I believe it was Q3. It was Saturday afternoon. And uh, talked about the fact, you know, mentioned something, you know, hey, this is going to be good. And Joe's like, well, gee, I sure hope Tony does a good job, and I hope he doesn't screw it up. And I hope he doesn't. I'm like, wow, really? And my phone goes, mm -hmm. And it says, Tony Stewart, tell Joe I got this. <laughs> I got this. And he did. I was just, Laughing you know, I, I wanted, no, I wasn't back off. He's got it. I, I just wanted to make it known that this is a very important moment right here. This is a very important moment. Like, hey, man, very important moment. You could do a lot of good for us. And he did. And he did. That's what matters. Uh, great stuff. And that's it. The pool is perfect. Come in, NASCAR fans and uh enjoy but i want to make sure they learn the nhra ways right which is hey don't scream at the driver that you see 10 feet away from you for an autograph because if you just patiently wait 
you'll get it in a minute because they'll come over to you. Unlike NASCAR uh, fans, and I know a lot of them, like, ah, get me and they're running all over the place that you don't have to do that in drag racing chill you will get your autograph it will happen and you'll probably get like some conversation and some hangout time uh don't go crazy because these are just people who happen to be racing just like you well i would love to see us build a little bit more of a liaison and by the way i'd like to uh throw my hat in the ring for this job uh because i've got a couple of contacts on both sides of the fence to get NHRA and NASCAR working together. I think, you know, there are plenty of race fans out there. Uh, there's quite a bit of crossover, not a lot, but I think there could be more. And I just don't see the downside of NASCAR having some kind of a presence in Pomona because they're California Speedway this week. You know yes. what, 20 minutes down the road? So why wouldn't, why couldn't NASCAR do some kind of a promotion while we're at Pomona and tell the fans, hey guys, right down the street, New car, new generation, new everything. Come see what NASCAR is all about. And on the other side, you know, Daytona is not two hours from, from Gainesville. Why couldn't there be some kind of an NHRA presence at the Daytona 500? You know, put a dragster out on display where the fans are coming in and out or where the, you know, where the uh, souvenir trailers are, where the fans are going to get a chance to see it, and let them know two hours from here, a month from now, the NHRA is going to be coming to town. I would never tell anybody, hey, you should come watch our race instead of theirs. But I think that a lot of fans, if you are a motorsports fan and you're a gearhead and NASCAR's your thing, I think if you took a look at NHRA, you might find out that, you know what, we're not the arch enemy. We do it differently. But it is still people trying to make cars go faster than the other people. Mm -hmm. And conversely, you know, people that are drag race fans, I think if they realize what the NASCAR guys go through, you know, that. The number of people that I know, oh, they drive around in circles for two hours looking for the finish line. If you had some kind of an understanding about how difficult it is to keep that car competitive over that two-hour window and to have to make the pit stops and to have to do the things, I think that there are some drag racing fans that with a little more understanding could become NASCAR fans. And I just, I would love to see a world where we could work together. There are so many markets that we share, you know, not just Charlotte. Vegas, Bristol, where we're all on the same property, you know, the the, uh, the Bruton Smith tracks, the SMI tracks, but there are a lot of, there are a lot of uh, areas of the country that we share where we could do each other, you know, what would be the downside of Kansas Speedway of telling NASCAR fans, hey, do you know there's a drag strip less than an hour from here where the biggest names in drag race are, are going to be in a couple of months? Or when we're at the track, Tell everybody, hey, Kansas Speedway is two hours from here where NASCAR is going to run a playoff race coming up in a couple of months. And it just seems to me that uh, it seems to me that there's something could be done there, because if you have an appreciation for fast cars, you probably have an appreciation for more than just one type of fast car. And I think that there could be some uh, some cross promotion there. So, again, I'd like to apply for that job. Uh, I need uh, two million dollars a year. A jet. That was a good pitch, um, Alan. Very good. Very good. Le good limo pitch. service. Uh, All and nice. for that, for that, I will give you one of the scoreboard signs at Chicagoland Speedway uh, as soon as when I put the rest of the finance. Excellent. Oh, it sounds good. And, you know, wipers. My, my, my scoreboard sign at, at Chicagoland Speedway. You ready for this? I already got this figured out. This just came to me in a flash. Clearly. Left lane scoreboard. Picture this. Left lane scoreboard that says NASCAR with an arrow. It is. It's so simple. It's like it's right there, guys. It's, it's like right there. that thing right there. Right that there. Thing. I love I love it. But hey, on that note, though, 
fans in the area. There are times where you're needed, and there's times when you're needed more. Go to the Lucas Oil Series race at Chicagoland. Like, they're going to open the gates. Go see those racers. Show the people there that you're happy about the track and talk them up and talk to them. Like, this is not one of those times where it's like, hey, you know. No, we need you. If you're a real drag racing fan, you will go out of your way to go participate at that particular divisional event to send a message to the local community and to the people who own the track, NASCAR, that this is viable, can make it happen. There's so many series. There's cars and coffee. There's so many things to do with a facility like that. Don't turn it into warehouses or whatever their plan was, as might happen to Palm Beach International Raceway, which uh, we're all super sad about that. Like, we're losing our track, guys. You don't know how terrible it is to lose your track until you've lost your track. I've already lost my track once. I might be about to lose it again, and we won't have a real facility, like a genuine facility. Immokalee is an airport track, temporary. A real legit facility south of Orlando or east of Bradenton in an area with 4 million people. It's insanity. They want to build warehouses. We got enough warehouses, but I digress. Let's talk pro stock. Michael Heiner is out there, said the track was really good. And uh, Erica, wow, dominant performance, said she was... You know, they've got a fire under them. They're on a mission. They didn't like, you know, what happened last year, some things in the off season. No more Miss Nice Erica. That's what she said. I, I, I kind of like the nickname Eva Lee. But the point is, she is on a mission. No nonsense. No joke. No, you know, pussyfooting around. She is out to win. And she showed it on the racetrack with the reaction times and got the job done, got the win. Well, they got their butts kicked last year. I mean, flat out. And they know it. They went to work during the during the winter break, try to make the cars better, try to make the engines better, try to make sure that they don't get their butts kicked this time. And they came out and had a pretty good start, you know, qualifying number one, running the table and winning the race. I think that uh, I think just because I have kind of a twisted sense of humor, the 900th pro stock race in NHRA history. The first one was won by a grumpy guy and the 900th was won by a mean girl. Grumpy right? guy, mean girl. Yes. Yes, right? yes, yes. It should be a T-shirt. <laughs> Grumpy guy, number one, nine hundred. Team girl, number nine hundred. Yes, yes. <laughs> How great was it to have be surrounded by fans out there uh, for the first time since Arizona, twenty twenty, like that? You know, we had just started that program in twenty twenty, where, as you can see from the photo, that is on the racetrack, and the fans are welcome to come down and join us on the racetrack go down there and talk to all the pro winners at the end of the day. We heard from all the sportsman winners, Joe and his parade of champions had happened a little bit earlier in the day, but that was an opportunity to bring the pros back on stage on the racetrack in the middle of a throng of France. It was great. Um, you know, they, we, we get to hear from the drivers at the top end of the racetrack. We piggyback on the NHRA on Fox folks and we get to hear the interviews, which is wonderful, but that's not the same as, Hey, Erica, come on up here and let's spend five minutes. Right. Not, hey, I want to thank my sponsors and my guys did a good job and I'm really happy about this. But let's talk about that second round. Let's talk about that race with Greg. Let's go into a little bit of detail here and let the fans know, A, what's what's really going on and B, get a chance to know Erica a little bit or in this case, Justin, a little bit or Robert. And I think it's terrific when we can get that close, when the fans are literally right there and, you know, the drivers will sign autographs while they're waiting for their turn and do that kind of stuff. Uh, I, I just think it's terrific. And I think that uh, 
you know, Erica seems to have a lot of motivation right now, and she's certainly got a fast race car right now. It's a long year, right? Okay, don't pencil in. Erica's going to win her fifth championship this year just yet. But showing her showing in Pomona tells me that she's in a lot better position right now than she was last year when we fired off the season in Gainesville. Absolutely. What did you make of the Greg Anderson situation? You know, Greg goes through Mason. Greg goes through uh, through Derek Kramer, who had picked up his performance. Erica goes through Dallas, goes through Christian. They had to race each other. What a race. They left uh, very close. But Greg said he blew the tires off at, a you know, a 1,000 feet or so. Erica said she had some problems as well, but was able to get down through there. But um, And I, I want your take on this, right? It's, a, it's an example of how... The fans, we want people to give us what they are feeling and thinking, but at your peril, because when you do it, people will reject it. Like think Steve and Cam Foray, right? They, wow, we want to see these guys mix it up. And it happened. And there are people that still have genuine hatred for Steve Torrance because of that one moment. So Greg said some things. I'm sure he's filled with adrenaline. I've never been sideways at 200 miles per hour before, but that was hairy. And he, he, he said that the track and the prep and whatever, whatever, et cetera, and so on. But I'm, I'm seeing him getting beaten up by a lot of people. Oh, you know, he shouldn't have said that. Oh, Greg Anderson, why is he whining like that? Oh, Greg Anderson, right? What, what, do, you, what do you think about that situation? Do we want the drivers to say what they think, or should he have just kept his mouth closed? I'm not going to tell Greg what to do. He's won 99 races and five championships without me telling him what to do, and I'm not going to start now. I think from where I sat watching the race, it looked like Greg's car drifted over out of the groove fairly early in the run. And obviously he's racing Erica and obviously he wants it bad. And it's not just another loss when he loses to Erica. And I think that that gets under his skin a little bit more, but the bottom line is I want him to care. And if he wants to, if he wants to go off, I want him to go off. I don't have any issue with that whatsoever. The worst thing to me would be if Greg gets out and goes, Oh, well, so what? We lost to Erica. Big deal. What time's lunch? I, that I don't want that. I want, you to care about it. And I think that, you know, Greg, Greg's been doing this a long time. You know, he sees exactly what the rest of us see. If you are a hardcore student of the sport, he sees that the performance advantage that he had last year isn't there anymore. At least it wasn't this weekend. He sees that they're catching up with him. He sees that he is in for a war and then he loses to his arch rival. And I think that, uh, you know, he was upset about it. And I'm fine with him being upset about it. I'd like that much more than if he didn't care. That makes perfect sense. Michael out there got a little, uh, you lost one track. We lost three tracks. You might've heard of lines. He's yelling at me, Alan. This guy's yelling at me, Michael, let me put it in a different way. We lost 50% of our tracks and are about to lose 100% of our tracks. As in, there is no other track, no alternative. You've got other tracks out there in Southern California. I know it's terrible. Lions, OCIR. I know it's very terrible. I get it. I get it. Trust me. But don't yell at me, man, because I lost my 15 minutes from my house, and now I'm about to lose the only track within three hours. It's not comparable. You still have two national event tracks out there in California, man. Sonoma I've, and Pomona. Michael. I've, I've also had this discussion with a number of people online over the years. Lions was 50 years ago. I'm sorry, but it was 50 years ago. Yeah. And let's move on. OCRR was 39 years ago. And, yeah. you know, if things are going to change, you know, if, if you lose your track, then, you know, go to work to get another one. Do something. You know, what we did here in Tucson when we lost our track, and that was in 1984, 
um, it we actually January of 1985 was the last. We didn't have a racetrack for a number of years, and some of the racers in the community went to work. They started like badgering the city council and badgering the county planners. We need a place to race. We need a place to race. We need a place to race. And the new Tucson Dragway is what came out of that. Um, you know, it's it's like the guys and I don't want to go into this whole nostalgia rant, but you guys right. know. Right, yeah, I went to Pomona. It's still, you know, it, it's not like it wasn't Lions. You're right. It wasn't. That was 50 years ago. Tell me what else is like it was 50 years ago. You know, do, do you want to go back to having your black and white photos developed? Um, you know, do, I mean, what do you what do you want to go back to 50 years ago? Just drag racing? I said, come on. Uh, you know, I don't know anybody in this day and age that says, hey, I'd like to trade in my brand new car to drive what I drove in 1972. Now, I own my 67 Mustang, and I still like it, and it ain't going nowhere. It's also not my everyday car. If I had to drive that car every day, I would have a whole different perspective on where technology is, where things are. So, you know, I'm grateful for the past. I think that, you know, you learn from your past. I think you grow from your past. And if you believe that 50 years ago was the best time ever, um, okay. I, I mean, I, I can't help you. Well, exactly. And this guy's, you know, picking a bone with me because I'm disappointed about losing a track and he's also disappointed about losing his track. You'd think he would seek to like work together with me so we can prevent it or start new tracks. No, he's attacking sure. because his pain is worse than my pain. Like, again, that's that's a perfect example of what I was talking about uh, this year. Sir, well, I'm about to lose 100 percent of my local real drag strips. You understand? No other options. And people are like, well, you know, we don't we can't race on Pomona during the week. And uh, yeah, but. And, you know, Sonoma is five hours away. I get it. I get it. California's a big state. But there are tracks, man. I know there are tracks. There's junior dragster programs. And uh, there, are, there are options at least. But I wish you to have more. And I wish to have more also. Hey, I want to mention uh, social media. And I got a picture of little Oakley Stanfield. Yeah. He's arrived into the world. Let's talk about something positive. Uh, Aaron Stanfield goes to the final round against Erica. Blew an engine. Erica told us that there were like piston rings coming out the throttle body. What? Like a yeah, grenade job. Uh, right. And uh, and to juxtapose it, little Oakley has arrived and Aaron is all right in the world and they are super happy. Congratulations to Aaron, Jolie, Greg, Grandpa, Grandpa Greg. There are certainly more important things in the world than drag racing. So congratulations. I'm just glad that uh, I'm glad Oakley's doing good. I'm glad mom's doing good. And uh I, I, I can imagine Aaron right now is thinking, do I really have to go to Phoenix? I mean, do I have to, could, could we just maybe let that one go? Uh, but no, I think, I think it's great. I, you know, we were talking all the weekend about the fact that they were hoping that uh, the blessed event didn't happen before he got home. And it sounds like all that worked out well. So that's uh, that's good news all the way around. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any thoughts on pro stock you want to mention? The racing was good. The track was good. Bo was back. Um, Camry Caruso, let's talk a little bit about her in qualifying, qualified in the top half shows. She has the power. First round was tough, but to me, that's to be expected, right? Like I, I think that I'm giving Camry a positive grade in her first, uh, outing and, and attempt through qualifying. When you get to first round, it's a little different. And Brogdon has got the experience, was able to load her up, but, um, if she keeps to keeps on uh, evolving the way we've seen her, she's going to have something there. Well, she did something no one, no other female pro stock racer has ever done in the history of the sport, and that she qualified at her first race. 
Uh, I believe there have been six that came before. I'm actually, that's going to be my next national dragster column is I'm going to kind of dive deep into the 900 pro stock events that have taken place. But she qualified at her first race. No other female driver has ever done that in pro stock. And she set top speed. I, that's kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. But Camry set top speed of the meet for the pro stock racers out there in Pomona. And I think that shows, you know, that she has got a program in place, um, you know, a little more experience behind the wheel. And the only way you get experience driving a pro stock car, driving a pro stock car, there's just no way to fake it. Exactly. And you got to get out there and you got to do it. And uh, Camry did it. So good job by that team. And we'll go right against it. Uh, this team, Mike Coughlin, Shane Westerfield, Cody Lane, Ken Etter in the shadow, Leo Glassbrenner, James Glenn, Ed Open, Don Mazir, Mo Trujillo, uh, who stands out in the Lucas Oil Series, had some great stories. And how about James Glenn? Like, uh, that was funny. He was he was telling us in the bar the night before, Reinhardt, you always calls me da- Dallas's dad. I was like, hey, bro, this is your moment. And he, he fired back a little bit. I thought it was fun. It was fun. And that was 10 years ago. I'm sorry. I made a mistake 10 years ago. <clears throat> and that was also the last time he won was 10 years ago, you know, just for that. Uh, I thought Ken Etter was a great story. You know, one, when you beat Jimmy DeFrank, you've done something. When you beat Jimmy DeFrank in Pomona, you've really done something. Yes. And Ken Etter's only previous win was in 2001 when we ran the Pet Boys 50th anniversary race at Pomona in like July or whatever it was. So, you know, waiting 20 years to get your second win. Uh, I thought that was, you know, obviously a very special moment for him. Uh, I loved, you know, Glassbrenner when you you know, brought up that I always, you know, kind of bust his chops good naturedly about the fact that he ended my racing career because in an NHRA sanctioned event, he is the last person that I have ever raced in eliminations and he whooped me. Now, to be fair, he gets credit for whooping me, but really what happened was I'm an idiot. Um, he he might have whooped me anyway, but I would have liked to make it a little tougher on him. I mean, you put it in high so gear, right? Been, First to yeah. third. I know that story. Yeah. And so I've always kind of busted his chops about that a little bit. And it was fun to hear him kind of chirp back, you know, when he got the opportunity to win down there. You know, for Mike Coughlin, it was his first in the alcohol car. That's five different classes that he is now one in. Um, you know, Shane Westerfield had a great car all weekend and, uh, and was flexing some muscle out there. Hopefully, they have got a full enough season plan that they're going to be part of the championship conversation because that's a really good car and a really good team when they take the show on the road. That'll make the class a little bit more exciting. Uh, but, for, you know, from top to bottom, it was just a good race. The one thing uh, that was not good was the Doug Bracey incident qualifying on Thursday. Uh, he had throttle stuck and the car ended up going into the net. Um, he got uh, busted up a little bit there. So I just want to uh, wish Doug the best and uh, speed of recovery and hated, hated, hated to see that happen to anybody, especially a guy like that. has been racing for so long and is just, you know, one of the real good guys in the sport. So, um, you know, hopefully he'll be uh, – He'll be back to 100% very soon. Uh, but top to bottom, it was uh, it was a pretty good race, I thought. Absolutely. So Jason Galvin is out there watching. He says, AR needs to figure out the last time a shadow won the na- won a national event. And Michael Heiner's like, do you know the answer? And because uh, they're all having a conversation in the chat section, that's part of WFO. <laughs> Michael Heiner is like, oh, Lord, no, do you? And I'm going to guess that it was uh, it was him, right? I'm, I'm guessing it was Ken Etter in the race that you said. I have no idea. Dodge Shadow, do it. Here we go. Thank goodness you went and got your computer, Alan. I, this is the one that lives here. It's here oh, the whole time, okay. well, as far as you know. We're about to find out. And we got Galvin, we got Heiner. And see, that's why people are involved with WFO Radio. We have celebrities out there in the audience at all times, chiming in and being a part of it and all of that. And that's uh, that's it. That's why you should share the show and definitely subscribe on YouTube, WFO Radio TV. 
on YouTube as we try to build our YouTube audience over the years. And I learned how to do the whole YouTube thing. Clay Milliken been helping me out a lot. Thank you, Clay, for helping me a little bit with uh, with YouTube. This was um, something that is important to me, and we're working really hard on getting it going. Certainly, Alan Reinhardt is he's digging into the stats to find out when the last. Do you have that like the kind of car that won? I don't think you have that. Well, not... sometimes. Yeah, Dodge Shadow. How many, how many Dodge Shadow race cars are there, you know, period? There are not a lot. It is a very, uh, very thin, uh, you know, category. Like you got the Camaros, and then you got the Mustangs, and then you got the Dodge Shadow, the one. So we'll see. And the drama of everybody. Now, while you do that, I will say to everyone. I don't, I don't show anything coming up as a shadow. So now I'm going to have to, like, do a, a little more looking here. Do more looking. You can look, look, and look more way more looking Arizona nationals as you keep doing that and I'll get everybody warmed up as we switch gears to the Arizona nationals this weekend, your home track. Uh, we were just there for the big test. This is a race that for me was the end of the known world. Uh, as I thought it was going to be the greatest season ever in 2020 of NHRA drag racing. And, uh, obviously we all know what happened. And the good news is that here we are two years later, we're kind of, you know, you had Erica on the stage there. And you have Erica on the stage in Pomona, and hopefully the world is genuinely getting back to normal. Like a lot of uh, mask uh, mandates are coming down, and a lot of you know numbers are coming down, and hopefully that turns out to be true. But we're going to enjoy the race regardless, and we're going to find out, like my, Michael Heiner said, like who can turn one race win into strong momentum at the start of the season with maybe back-to-back wins or a couple of great uh, final rounds. That is the question. Alan is still doing it. I'm still uh, stalling for time. Michael says, moved to Seattle, built top fuel cars at Swindle Shop, working at Don Long's and Garrett Turbos for Snake, Bernstein, Amato, Shirley, and 14 others in 1991, then moved to Charlotte, NASCAR country. Way to go, Mike. That's kind of a cool career. I bet you got some great stories. Don't be afraid to share them. Heiner did a good job last weekend. Ah. Turned, turned down the suck knob quite a bit. Jeez, Jim. But it's true. I still I still don't find a shadow. I just went back and looked. When Ken Edder won the race in 01, it was actually in stock, not super stock, and he was in a Valari. So uh, I don't know. That perhaps could have been the first ever shadow. The first ever Dodge Shadow victory. Amazing stuff. Talk a little bit about your home uh, race, home facility, and how important it is. I can't get you tickets. What else do you want to know? Me either. Me either. For Gainesville. In advance. <laughs> For Gainesville. No, I cannot. Sorry. Now, I think that, uh, you know, the weather forecast looks like it's going to be a little chilly in the mornings. But uh, the last I looked, it was, you know, mid-60s or so Friday and Saturday, which should make the place just stupid fast. And then it's going to warm up a little bit like mid-70s on Sunday, which would be a perfect day to have a drag race. So, you know, give us good weather and we'll take it from there. You know, we mentioned that uh, a number of the Nitro teams were just there testing uh, 10 days ago now. So they should have a pretty good handle on the track. And just looking forward to getting back out there. You know, that was the last race we had before the shutdown. We weren't able to go back last year. So, uh, you know, we're skipping one and, and, you know, the Arizona fans, I think, are definitely ready to get back out and see their NHRA. Looks like, uh, again, looks like Mother Nature is going to be good to us. So uh, I'm expecting to have just a terrific event. And Mark says, did either of us notice the numerous donut bags in stock and super stock? And, uh, you know, everybody was on it. It was a good race for the first race of the year. What did Galvin call it? SpaghettiOs? Can of SpaghettiOs? SpaghettiOs. People were on it. And uh, that's because we want to go racing. And uh, there was great racing going on down there. 
Yep, there was all of that, and we don't have to wait long. I'm uh, driving up to Phoenix tomorrow. I assume you're flying in, and we'll be right back at it. Be there mid-afternoon. That is the plan. Super excited. Alan, great job as usual. Thank you so much. I appreciate you, and uh, let's do it again. I do want to do one more thing before we sign off. I want to send uh, uh, some positive energy and, and good thoughts back to Brian Loans and his family. Uh, Brian's mother-in-law passed away, uh, and so they're dealing with a family crisis that you know everybody has to go through at some point, but that doesn't make it any easier. But I just want to let you know Brian and Carrie and, and the boys and everybody know that uh, those of us out here are thinking about them, and, uh, and uh, man, we're here for you if you need us. Yeah, and, and the, uh, the roller coaster of emotions, you know, last weekend was Brian's birthday. Right. And, uh, you know, you're up, you're down. The, the life is a roller coaster. We've all had, uh, you know, trials and tribulations over these past couple of years. That one was like kind of a more normal uh, circle of life kind of thing. But, uh, you know, people like they think Brian is a talented guy and he is, but he is also like a really good person. And uh, it's very tough that his, he and his family are hurting. So I appreciate you saying that, Alan. Well, I will uh, see you, I guess, tomorrow. Travel safe. And uh, I got to get used to I got to set my internal calendar now, make sure I leave tomorrow, because this will make me think it's Tuesday. So tomorrow I'll get up and I won't realize it's Thursday and I probably won't even show up until Friday and then I'll get yelled at. Don't do that. Today is Wednesday. And the driver's like, so you're OK with that, though, right? Like the drivers all said Tuesday's the day we want Tuesday. And I was like, OK, I think it worked out. No problem with me at all. Exactly. As long as I'm not traveling next week, I'll be traveling on Wednesday. So uh ah. That would be a problem. There you go. But don't worry. I think we'll figure it out. Tuesday is a definite for us next week. Let's not say why. All right, Alan. Great job. All right. We'll see you soon. There he goes. The voice of the NHRA, Alan Reinhardt, joins us each week right here on WFO Radio. Most of the time on Tuesday, but sometimes on Wednesday. But then again, wherever you are, you're probably not listening or watching on either of those two days. And that's the greatness of WFO, that it just bounces around out there on the Internet and on the websites and on the podcast feeds. And people listen whenever they want. It is a time-shifted show. Yes, we have added the element of live interaction with all our great fans. Folks like Michael Heiner. Look at that. 19 pro stalkers in Phoenix. Alex uh, Laughlin pulled out to get ready for Gainesville. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Um, let's see. We were number one on Friday night in Englishtown, New Jersey. Very cool. Very cool. Um, but that's the thing. Share the show. Great audience today and yesterday. Erica always brings down the house. Erica always has a mass of her fans that show up in WFO, and they share the show, too, whether it be on YouTube, through your social media, or otherwise. Uh, that's really helpful, guys. If you don't know WFO, if this is the first time you've ever watched the show, if it's a new season of NHRA Drag Racing, and maybe the social media algorithms are allowing our show to get to you on this given uh, opportunity, comments, likes, reviews, stars which is something new that i don't even know about right people are buying stars on like i don't even know what that is guys we do the show we create the show we talk to the drivers we put it out we talk drag racing but the social algorithms they're hard to trick the best thing for us is when you guys interact share the show tell your friends and share it and uh, we want more listeners we want more audience we love our sportsmen racers hopefully they will be involved all year long and uh, we can do some great things. I want you to put your comments in the comment section like Arizona. Let's see some predictions up there. I asked you before the Winter Nationals. I tweeted out the ladders, and everybody seemed to like that. I think I'm going to do that again. So let's get some predictions and thoughts for the Arizona Nationals this weekend while I tell you about the people who made it possible for me to do this genuinely, to be here 
Like we're going to the hometown of Total Seal, Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology, Matt Hartford, Keith Jones, Lake Speed Jr. If you're a sportsman racer, if you're a Lucas Oil Series racer, if you're a stock eliminator, super stock racer, you're building an engine, you got to call Total Seal. Make them your first call, not your last call, because they'll design rings to what you're trying to accomplish. Well, I really want to have a 3,000 horsepower streetcar that I can go to the grocery store with and run sick week at the same time. They can do that. Go to TotalSeal.com and be sure to subscribe to Hidden Horsepower, the podcast that is just so much information. And FTIPerformance.com. Paul Lee's company, they got a whole driveline conglomerate over there, whether it be McLeod or FTIPerformance.com. We're going to be learning a lot about them. Top dragster, top sportsman, pro mod. They build transmissions. They got a turbo 400 style swap with a trans brake that is unbelievable. You're going to learn a lot more about Greg Samuel's company. This guy started a little more than 10 years ago and in that period has become an industry leader. And uh, the guy's quite the character as well. FTIPerformance.com. Samtech.edu, the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology, looking for the next generation of hands-on workers. You think about what's going on in the world out there. What is reliable? Well, doing and building things here in the United States of America. We've got this whole infrastructure thing we're doing, like the biggest expense of infrastructure and improvements in our nation since the 50s, right? Since the highway system that really is responsible for popularizing cars, car culture, and drag racing. Right? Well, who's going to do all this stuff, though? That's the question. CNC programming, aerospace. We're launching rockets now. Who's going to do it all? We need people who know how to do, build, make, machine, even in the oil fields, even on pipelines. We need people who know how to do that stuff. And that's what Samtech does. They train. They train. Go to samtech.edu. Frank Hawley's Drag Racing School, the dragster adventure, a little more, a little more fun. Driving a dragster, you and your friends, you and your sales team, you and your best buds going out there, doing the show, doing the deal, maybe even putting on a race. Where else can you do such a thing? Nowhere. FrankHawley.com. And then there's Marvin Rodak. Got big announcements coming out of Rodak's real soon. R-O-D-A-K-S. Rodak's Coffee and Grills.com. Hot sauces, spice rubs, everything good. I'm fired up today because of Rodak's. I'm fired up every day because of Rodak's. Thank you, Marvin. Try the hot sauces, guys. Trust me. It's great. And then the Patreons. You can join for the year. You can join for a month at a time. Play the monthly. But really, it's a listener club, and you decide. I don't pressure. I try to over-deliver, and that's up to you. Patreon.com slash WFO Radio and the Monday Motivation Show and the Ignition Show and a lot of behind-the-scenes content, and we're always growing and trying to create a little bit more. Thank you so much. And if you want to just go to the WFO store, you can get this address, P.O. Box 848-353, Pembroke Pines, Florida, 33084, care of Castello Media WFO stickers. I will send you stickers for free but I am not going to fill out the address and put a stamp on it. Too much work. Sorry, guys. You got to do it yourself. Self-addressed stamped envelope. Just Google it. How do I create a self-addressed stamped envelope? People don't understand because people don't write letters anymore. Think about that. Writing a letter. When was the last time you wrote a letter to anybody? Remember getting like a letter in the mail? Like, man, somebody wrote me something. It still happens here on WFO. People actually send letters with the, uh, the sticker request in the PO box. It's one of the best things that I get to do is see people's handwriting and grade mine against it and feel sad that I'd not tell all you kids out there, spend a little time on your handwriting, guys. I tell my little nephew all the time. Good handwriting. It's very important. Oh, the spammers are back. 
I think it's kind of an honor that we're getting spammed. And uh, Jason Galvin had somebody duplicate his Instagram account. And I had it happen to me in the same weekend. So what does that tell me? Inside job. Somebody out there messing with us. Speaking of Jason Galvin sent me a little breaking news. Might as well tell you guys what it was. Coming right out of Drag Illustrated. Bumblebee stunt driver Griffin Steinfeld set to make Radio versus the World debut in Bumblebee Camaro at Lights Out 13. Griffin, who was actually out there this past weekend at the Winter Nationals, I had an interaction with him. Uh, you know, Griffin, he says he's 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 in it to win it now. He's hooked. Hanging out with DSR and everything. If you don't know Griffin, Griffin is uh, kind of in the grudge world, everything, going through his evolution. He's done some racing in the uh, Wheeling Series and uh, Canon Pro Series. He's a race car driver, multifaceted race car driver. He's also the brother of Haley Steinfeld, who is uh, now, you know, pretty much one of the Avengers. And Haley is a huge celebrity, which is great. Griffin is her brother, race car driver. And uh, he's going to be at Radio Versus the World, which I like. Because to me, that is the natural evolution. And eventually, a lot of those folks who want to race a lot end up in the National Hot Rod Association. That's the thing about NHRA. There's all these different series. But how much do you want to race, right? You do radio versus the world and those kind of racing. You've got a couple of shots a year. And those cars are very expensive. And they're amazing. I'm not saying anything negative. I love them. But you're planning on a couple of huge events a year. But eventually, you're going to want to race a lot. And the NHRA is where that happens. So very exciting stuff. All right, let's see what kind of predictions people have placed in the chat section. And then I'll get out of here. And I'll let you all be. But then you got to go watch Erica on WFO from yesterday. Brent. Brent, was this your first time watching the show? Brent, who is always uh, tweeting at us, right? He's always tweeting at us when we go on NHRA.TV live. Um, he's now a WFO listener, viewer. That's awesome. Art, best motivational speaker, Joe Costello. Great show today. Let me motivate you to change the spelling of my last name. It's C-A-S. Art, thank you for all the kind words. You, you're always saying super nice things to me and about me and about my work, and I appreciate it, and I don't know how to handle it, right? I take compliments very poorly. Uh, we have heard complaints about track pep from a few drivers in the past. Greg, Greg wasn't the first and certainly won't be the last. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a non-story. I think if Greg was, uh, he was hopped up by adrenaline. That's what adrenaline does, you know, fight or flight. Well, getting sideways at 200 miles per hour will make that trigger. And he was hopped up by adrenaline. I think if you talk to Greg 10 minutes later, he would have had a different answer. Caps will get to race four weeks in a row, including the March meet. I'm jealous. Yeah, Bakersfield March meet. Guys, if you love drag racing, go to drag races. Simple as that. Jeff, thanks as always. He's a Patreon. Galvin, prediction. AR will ridicule Bodie and I for being Arizona State guys. Oh, is that what you are, Galvin? Arizona State guy? Yeah, you're, you're going to get him a hat. I remember you said that. Jason Galvin going to be out there again this weekend. First four races of the year, Galvin. Is it you, Joe Costello, that makes the show? The uh, It is you, Joe, that makes the excitement. Yeah, thank you. I remember. I take compliments for it. I can see Matt Hagen getting a win, says Steven. Would think Tony will be there all weekend versus just uh, having to be in Daytona. I don't know what his... Um, does such a good job with that color commentary could be a new gig for him. I don't know. Dallas Torrance caps Dallas Glenn gave me some insight into his deal. He's still getting that car the way they want. They switched chassis, you know, KB has got a fleet. And so while the car might look the same, it might not be the same car. 
And you never know. Got to dig in on that. That is a different car. That is Greg's red car that everybody remembers. The red car that Greg switched out of was kind of sitting around there. They rewrapped it. And what did Dallas say? That it's better on bad tracks. The other car was better on good tracks. And so we'll see. But he's still getting it to his lightning. liking. Brittany caps Greg Anderson in Arizona. All right. Let's see. Yeah. Thick limb right there, right? Hartford and Wilk. Okay, let me just say a Matt Hartford victory would be really great for that team. They experienced a little bit of struggle. They ran a nice run first qualifying session and got it thrown for fuel check, right? And they had had a brand new barrel of fuel that they got at their local distributor and it failed. And so something, you know, in one of the jugs or something just wasn't right and it failed and who knows. But they got it thrown out, so now they had to get down the track, and they were behind. And with three qualifying sessions and 20-plus cars trying to qualify, they got behind. Just goes to show you can't get behind. But they tested a bunch out there in Arizona, and it will be good for Hartford to get up there in his local track. You know, local boy makes good story. Get some local pub, maybe. That's the plan to Steven. Proc Cruiser Erica. Cruz looked really good. JC, that car is going down the racetrack. And Austin Proc, can you imagine if Austin runners up and wins the first two races of the year and Erica goes back to back? That would cause a stir. And JP, yes, JP is going to be racing top alcohol dragster at the Lucas Oil race at Chicagoland. Everybody, please go. If you're in the area, please treat it like a national event. Like, Go to the website and get the tickets and drive out there and spend the day with our Lucas Oil Series racers for the facility and to send a message. And I know Mark was saying, well, you know, NASCAR did something bad that I didn't like, so I'm going to punish them by never going to any of their facilities again. I don't know. I think it's a bad attitude, like the old, uh, you know, cut your nose to spite your face. Having a facility and retraining, you know, people can learn from mistakes. People can change their perspective. You know, grudge holding, not good. Michael, Torrance, John Forrest, Greg Anderson. Well, that would be a very, very popular winner circle. Torrance, Forrest, Anderson. That's two. Dragster Jeff, good fun show now getting back to getting ready for the March meet. See you in the lanes. Way to go, Dragster Jeff. He's a Patreon supporter. Mike, thank you, NHRA.TV, WFO Joe and Allen for bringing the norm back to my life. Wife and I were diehard drag racing fans, and I lost my wife due to pancreatic cancer this past September. Now I have something to look forward to. Mike, oh my gosh, my my friend, I'm so sorry, but that's exactly what we're here for. This is a community of racers. It's not the NFL where there's a billion fans and we can never get to know each other and we can never lift each other up. It's not what this is. We're relatively small, but we're diehard. And um, this is exactly what shows like this are for to connect with people. And I can't even imagine what you're going through. And I'm so sorry, but if you can escape through drag racing on NHRA.TV and this show and NHRA social media, that's why we do it. That's why we do it. Cause we love it. We're here and the racers who invest and um, putting you with a driver that you think is cool with a car you think is cool so that you can have a, a good time and, and get away from whatever is, um, on your mind at the moment, that's what it's for. So thank you, Mike. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry that you had to go through that. Ugh, terrible. Bobby Graham, my buddy, 
Finally got to watch it live. Great job. Bobby has been laid up with, uh, should I tell him about the gout, Bobby? You'll tell him anyway. Poor guy, Bobby Graham. This guy is on Twitter. He's got like 950 followers. I'm taking it upon my mission to get him over 1,000. Because 1,000 is just so much better than 950. Feel better, Bobby Graham. Justin Ashley going to go back to back. Wow. Ron Caps, Dallas Glenn. Okay, Jim. Thank you. Okay, you're in Florida area. You do great work. Thank you. I am in the Florida area. No, not in the Chicago area. No, man. I'm not in Chicago at all, but I want to support uh, that area because they are motorsports centric. They've got such a like grudge racing, street racing scene. They've got one of the most amazing facilities everywhere. It rivals the Speedway Motorsports stuff. Certainly the Bellagio, it's just as great, but they think they overbuilt, right? They overbuilt. You get 20,000 people and it looks like the place is empty. It's they built this just massive facility. They built it in, I think, 1998 when NASCAR was having its giant explosion. And they say, yeah, let's build a drag strip. We got some extra stuff. Put it out there. Build it. And they built a place that is so huge that even when you get a great crowd, people look around and say, oh, it was a bad crowd, which is not the case. So what they really need to do at Chicagoland is cut out some of those bleachers. Cut them out. Get rid of them. Put a campground, put a common area, put a big platform, a bar, a place where people can go and hang and watch and listen to music and watch the race. And, you know, teenage, uh, early 20s guys can go meet girls that are hanging out like that's what they got to do there. They got such a big facility. It's just a little too big, too many seats. Rip them out, sell them. And then you got to, you know, there's another thing. I'm not telling anyone how to promote, but. If you want people to get used to coming to your track, the track's got to be open. That was our problem in Palm Beach over the last 10 years. They didn't open all the time. Every other week, something like that. No, you got to fill it. You got to do like Blair does down there in St. Louis at Worldwide Technology Raceway. You got to be open. Cars and coffee, this thing, that thing, IndyCar, NASCAR, drag racing, whatever. What can we do? Mustang clubs, grudge racing, whatever we got to do. You got to be open. And then people get used to going to the track and then they realize that going to the track is really fun and they bring their friends. If you're never open once a year, twice a year, a couple of big events, you try to pack them in and overwhelm it with media. That's not how, how racing works. That's not the, 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 the formula that works. In my opinion, not telling anybody how to do anything, but then they would say, well, the facility is so big that just to open the gates, we got to make $10,000 and uh, we can never make $10,000 with a little event. And so it pays to just not even open it. And that's a failing strategy. Sorry, guys. I'm no longer a WFO virgin. Welcome. Welcome, Brent. Keep those tweets coming. Doug Coletta, Robert Height, Greg Anderson. That would be popular. A lot of people picking Greg, guys. Arizona State. See what else. Now I'm just trying to get to the end of the comments. Any word on factory X cars? Uh, Greg Meyer. I wonder if that's uh, Greg Meyer, super stock racer, Greg Meyer, or if that is uh, just a person named Greg Meyer. Uh, here's the deal. They're building the cars, guys, but the cars aren't built yet. In fact, I don't think that all the deets on the rules package are even dialed in just yet. But everyone's asking about these factory X cars and they're super excited. And I agree with you. You should be super excited, except the cars aren't built. It was just really announced where in, in SEMA. When was that? It was just a couple of months ago. The cars aren't on the track yet. They don't exist yet. Later on this year, cars will exist. A couple of the cars, but they don't exist yet. So don't get worried. They're coming like the dragons in game of Thrones. They're coming. Just 
Don't worry. Mark says caps. He's going to run the Burke holders fuel altered at the March meet as well. Yeah, no, he's super stoked about that. Way to go caps. Great seeing his dad down there. Mom and dad and the fam behind cousin Donnie. Talk to Marvin, but it wasn't about coffee. SOS. I don't know what that's about. Oh, I know what it's about. Ashley Caps, Evil E. People like Evil E, man. I don't, you see, the thing that's negative about it is that she's not evil. She's not taking people's crap anymore to be nice or polite. But Evil E sounds so good. Maybe they should paint the car black. Like, lean in on it. But see, the whole thing about uh, Erica with that deal. There's, there's a lot of advice, right? You know, like turn the other cheek and, and all of that. But really, you shouldn't punch down. Don't punch down. Like, who is this? These Who are these people to even comment about Erica, right? Like, what is it? The lion doesn't care about the, the issues of the sheep? Something like that? But yeah, evil E. Erica Ender's evil alter ego. That could be something. Glad to have Matt uh, in on the uh, host of Veteran Challenge. Yes, and Tony's been talking about that. It's host of Veteran Challenge. You can find it on the web. Correct. Keep an eye out. Ken Mostowich in Super Gas. Uh, I like to watch him in Super Comp. I think he's going to get a win. He won a bunch of rounds. He goes rounds every single time, Mostowich. Brittany Caps, Dallas Glenn. It's a huge racing family. It is. It is good and bad, right? Good and bad. The fights against cancer are very real. Prayers to Mike. They are very real, guys. Very real. Leah has won this track back-to-back times. Uh, J.R. Todd and Greg. Another pick for Greg. I like this. I like seeing where everybody's at. Greg Anderson is in the lead, but there's a couple. Jeff, who is a survivor as well. F. Cancer. Way to go, Art. I don't know what that means. Will Alex Laughlin be back in top field? The answer is yes. Yes, but later on in the season. Then Gainesville. But Alex has got, I believe, 10 races planned out. But Alex will be back in top field this year, yes. Buddy Hall, Terry Haddock, and Steve Graham, says Mark Wilkins. Uh, and if that trifecta comes in, Mark, you should become a, a millionaire. Because that would be crazy. And who are these guys that are spamming us, man? I just like, uh, let's block them. Boom. I've never used that before. And now I just said, yes, it is Greg Meyer. Who we're going to do an attention in the pits on your car, Greg. Get ready. I don't know where you're going to be. Let us know. Let us know. Greg Meyer, this guy works at a nuclear collider or something. This guy is an amazing personality. One of the people that I want to feature on WFO because, uh, or on attention in the pits, because he, in my opinion, exemplifies our stock and super stock racers. They are all really, really smart quality people who have had great success and drag racing and solving the problems of stock is the way they relax, right? This guy's working on nuclear stuff. We'll see you at some race, Greg, reach out to me. Tell me where you're going to be. Want a job in top fuel, funny car, or pro stock? Learn to drive an 18-wheeler with an ACDL license. Get one-year experience. Know how to spin wrenches uh, and then apply to every pro team. And you might, if you're going to do that, you might as well just call up Josh Hart, right? Because they got RNL carriers, and they're, they're looking for people too. And they're not even a sponsor, but I like Josh, and I want to help people get hooked up with jobs. 
There's never been a time that I can remember in my life where at any moment, anybody that really wanted a good job could just go get one. That the people with the good paying jobs are desperate for people. Any WFO polos. Yeah, I got a couple just like this, Eddie, but you'd have to buy them. And, and if you, you know, if you're interested, email me, Joe at WFORadio.com, and I will have one made special for you. That's kind of where we are. We don't have big stock on the shelf. But if you email me, Joe at WFORadio.com, if you want a hat with a side logo, if you want a shirt like this, dry fit, um, we can have it made special for you. Jeff, evil e apparel. The thing is, she's not evil, but man, the Alter ego, evil E. Everybody loves it. Something. E is an absolute true professional. She can back up what she says. Absolutely. WFO Polos, I got what you were saying. To the hacker, you're correct. Nobody likes uh, you jump. Big bridge, you're tall. Either just jump. I don't know what he's saying right there. The season pro stock is going to be the best we've seen in years. Yeah, I think uh, the kids are saying that it's going to be lit. I believe is what they're saying. Uh, great show, Joe. See you in a couple of days. Michael Heiner, my man. Go another round, Michael. Keep going. You guys are in the right direction. I'm dead on. Yes. About what? Who knows? Thanks for promoting Joliet. We need it back here in Chicago. Absolutely. Absolutely. We need it back. It's a, it's a first-class, top-notch drag racing facility. And that's the thing. When you look at, like, Norwalk, right? Family-owned, relatively small. They hustle, and they're doing as much as they possibly can. And, they're, and they do well. Bandamere, same deal. They realize we got to be open. We got to be open. Track has to be open. We got to be open. So they're opening back for a Lucas Oil Series event out there. Every fan of drag racing within two hours should make it a priority to be there. Go to NHRA.com to find out when. And um, that's my opinion, right? I can tell you that the fight to keep Palm Beach International Raceway is still going on. It's not looking good, but people are sharing, uh, you know, committee meetings and the commission. They've got to do some approving and everything. And I've been uh, recruited to, you know, we, we got to try to explain to these city commissioners that there's no reason that West Palm Beach, Florida is on the map to people around the world other than there is a world-class racing facility there with a road course and an all-concrete drag strip. You can go to Dade County, Broward County, Daytona. You can go to beaches all over Florida. You can get big mansions all over Florida. You can go to see the mouse. You can do anything. But if you're going to go to a racing facility, Palm Beach is one of the ones that people talk about all around the world. There's 60 years of history there. The Stones have played there. It's been amazing. We got to save that place. We got to save it. It's not over. Warehouses can be made literally anywhere for a distribution hub, right? Why are we doing that anyway with all our supply chain issues? Someone's got to save that thing, man. We got to explain to people, kids, stay off the streets, protect our youth, all of these things. All right, guys, I really appreciate all of you. Thank you so much. I'll see you in Arizona. Come out to the track. Can you tell I love this stuff? I hope you can. WFO.